If you've ever watched any of those uh, wilderness survival TV shows, it can be a lot of fun. Or if you've ever even taken a lot of, or uh, ever taken even a single biology class, or if you've ever really just been thirsty for a few hours and not had something to drink, maybe you were on a road trip when you were a kid and your dad didn't let you take in too many fluids because he wanted to get where he was going. You all know the truth of the matter about water, and that is that we need it. There's one very simple fact about humans. We need water. You can go for a while without food. You can look up the world record. I think it was over a year that some morbidly obese man went without food to lose a lot of weight. Worked pretty well. Didn't eat for a year. But you can't go very long without water. We need water. Water is life-giving. It has been that way since the beginning. You can hear the science say that we're some 70% water or something like that. But you could just read Genesis as well and find out that not only did God make man out of the dust from the ground and for the breath of life, but that at the same time the mist was coming up from the ground and that there was water involved too in the making of man from the very beginning. God uses water. God used water to save Noah and his family. On the ark, God used water to save the Israelites when they passed through the Red Sea. God used water when he baptized you with his water and his life-giving word. Water is needful. Water is life-giving, both physically and spiritually. And so, whenever we come to Exodus 17, one could take the normal Bible study route. That's what Moses does, takes the normal Bible study route and talks about how the Israelites grumbled way too much. And that's true. They did grumble a lot and they complained about things that were kind of silly at times. Like when they complained about food, for instance, one, they probably could have gone a little bit longer without food. Two, they had food. They had manna. They even had quail. They probably didn't need to complain about the food. But one thing that strikes me about this instance in particular with Israel, of course they knew that God had provided for them in the past, and maybe they shouldn't have complained so much, but one thing that strikes me is they're complaining about something in this instance completely and utterly rational. If you are going to complain about anything to the God who provides for you, not having water might be the thing. Water is needful. And if you were thirsty, if you didn't have water, even if you knew everything that God had done for you before, would you also not be like the Israelites? I think I would be. This is one of probably the most rational complaints that the Israelites have in their whole history. They are literally dying of thirst. And it doesn't seem like there's any water to drink. That doesn't seem like some joke to me in the scripture narrative. It seems completely rational that they would be worried about not having water. That they really could, in this instance, in the wilderness, in Rephidim, where there is not water to drink, 
that they could die. Them and their children and their livestock, it seems, in one sense, even though we know their tendencies to grumble, it seems in one sense completely rational. And again, you can think about yourself in that situation. I like to think about, or I did think about when I was thinking about this, how the Lord has provided for us. Think of everything that we have in this modern life that we live. All the access to all the things that we could possibly need. If you need some water, you can just walk into the kitchen right now and it will most likely run. Even if the pipes were frozen, we could just run up to Aldi and get some cases of water bottles and we'd probably be fine. We have heat and air conditioning, even the people whose power has been out. Of course, we pray for them, but most of them, to my knowledge, have been fine. They've gone over to a neighbor's house or they've found a generator or something of much modern convenience. Something that ages past didn't have to be perfectly okay, even in harsh weather. We have the technology to call people if we need help. We have infrastructure unheard of in ages past. We have all sorts of things to make our life very easy. But what did we do? What did all of us do two years ago when we ran out of toilet paper? We freaked out. We grumbled and we complained about something that if you've ever been hunting in the woods and you forgot to pack something in your backpack, you know, is really not even necessary for human life. You can live without toilet paper. People did it for years. There's leaves in the woods. It's fine. And so would you also, if you were an Israelite in Rephidim, in the wilderness, In the desert, even though you had passed through the Red Sea, even though you knew how God provided for you, if you literally did not have water to drink, if you were lacking one of the fundamental needs of human life, would you also complain? I think I would. But that is kind of the point of the story. That what is rational to us What we can rationalize in our own minds, and you can even rationalize something like complaining about toilet paper because it does seem in your own mind, in that moment, that it is completely rational to grumble and complain about such a thing, to be worried about such a thing, to be worried about what this means for other supply chain issues. You can think about what this means for the future of America. You can think about all sorts of things and you can rationalize it in your own mind that you should complain about such a thing. You can have other examples of that too. But what we can rationalize in our own minds, even if it seems on the surface completely rational, like worrying about not having water, God's grace isn't always to us rational. You can see that also in the workers and the vineyard, that God, the master of the vineyard, God, he goes out and he hires workers all throughout the day. And because he hires them all throughout the day, some of them work 
eight hours, some of them work six hours, some of them work three hours, and some of them only work one hour. And yet, at the end of the day, they all get paid the same. They all get paid one day's wage. That goes against the definition, the rational definition of the word wage. Wages pay based on time. And so it seems completely, especially to the people who had been there all day, irrational that God would, the master of the vineyard, would pay them all the same. It seems completely rational that they should get paid according to how long they had been there. But that's not how God's grace worked. God's grace gave them the reward of heaven for their faith, no matter how long they had had it. And that is because grace alone, that's what this Sunday is about. Next week, we'll think about scripture alone and the week after faith alone. That's because grace alone by Christ does not give us what we think is rational. But grace alone gives, God's grace gives what is actually needed when it is needed. That's the definition I want you to work with. God's grace is God giving you what is needed when it is needed. Grace is God's favor toward us. And if you've ever had children, you know this, that to have favor toward them is to not just give them whatever they think makes sense. Children often think it makes sense to have four pieces of cake instead of dinner. But that's not what they need when they need it. You know that. They don't. Your Father in heaven knows what you need when you need it. You can have completely, to your own mind, to your own knowledge of things, rational ideas about what you need when you think you need it. But God may give you something else at another time. The Israelites did not actually need water in that exact moment when they were grumbling. What they needed is for God to provide them water when they needed it, from the rock, and God was going to do so. The workers in the vineyard did not need to compare themselves to the other workers based on the amount of time that they had worked. They only needed to be thankful for what God was going to give them, their reward in heaven. And God gave everyone what they needed when they need it because he loved them. Because he had favor for them. It didn't make sense to them, but he gave them what they needed. And maybe that's true for you too. You can think about times when you think that you need something right away. Maybe something goes wrong in your life and you need an influx of money right away. Maybe you're in some sort of distress or suffering and you feel like you need the comfort right away. Maybe you were unsatisfied with a certain part of your life at a certain time and you really needed some motivation right then, but it didn't come. But when you look back at those times in your life, if you look back to the time when you thought you needed some money or you thought you needed a certain kind of comfort or you thought that you needed 
some motivation or whatever it was, don't just look back on your feelings and your thoughts about that situation. I do want you to look back on your life, but when you look back on your life, look back not just at your feelings, but at the facts, at the objective reality about how God had, still does, provide for you. Has there ever been a time, ask yourself this question, where in your life you have been going through something, you thought you needed something, and God hasn't provided for you in the end, in his own time? We are all here today. We are all in these brown chairs. We are all hearing the word of God, and we can all see this. God has provided for us. He has given us what we need when we need it. Maybe at the time we didn't think it was the right thing. Maybe at the time we didn't think it was the right timing. But he has provided for you. He has brought you here today. He continues to give you what you need when you need it. And that brings us to another point about God's grace, which you can see not just in the Israelites and in the workers in the vineyard, but what you can see in Moses today, too. And that is our ignorance about what we need when we need it. Our ignorance of life, really, and the world. You see, God is the one who made the world. We did not make the world. We were not there at the beginning of creation. We don't sustain the world. We don't hold the whole world in our hands. That is only God's job. And he can see everything. He knows everything about what's going on in your life better than you do. You don't know the number of the hairs on your head, but he does. And so you can see this in Moses. Moses is honest. I don't think he's really grumbling to God here. I think he's just being completely honest when he asks God, what should I do? God, we have a real need here and the people are grumbling and complaining against me and I know that that's not what they should be doing, but I really don't know how to help them in this situation. And that's a good prayer. It's a prayer we would do well to emulate God, I don't know everything. I don't know the solution to this problem. But please show me the way. And according to God's grace alone, he gives us what we need when we need it. I actually think God's answer to Moses here is almost a little humorous if you read between the lines. When he tells him what to do, it almost sounds like the answer to God is so completely obvious and he doesn't really understand why Moses doesn't see it. You can see that in the way he talks about the rock. He just says, go to the the rock. Go to that rock. You know what rock I'm talking about, Moses. Surely, you know, I mean, there's probably lots of rocks in Rephidim, but he says, go to the rock. Take the staff, which you struck the Nile with, go to the rock and strike it, and I will feed my people. I will give water to my people. And God has the answers for you, too. 
He says to Moses, Behold, I will stand before you. He says to you, Behold, I will go before you. Follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Behold, I will stand before you and I will show you the way. He answers for you too. He will show you the way. It is obvious to him. So simply follow him. Pray to him and let him guide you. And that is what is so amazing, finally, about this grace alone of Christ, is that it is so readily available for you. It is always there for you. Whenever Paul is recounting this incident and all of the wilderness wanderings of the Israelites in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says this, I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. They drank from the rock. And the rock was Christ. Notice how he emphasizes all of them. All of them had Christ with them. All of them had the cloud with them. They all had the fire with them. They all had the manna with them. They all had the quail with them. They all had the rock with them. It was so available there for them all the time. Even when it seemed like things were completely dire, even when they were hedged up against the Red Sea and the chariots of Pharaoh were coming in after them, even when they were in Rephidim and they were dying of thirst, literally, even when they had things that seemed like they were going to die, like they weren't going to make it, all of them had the grace of Christ right there, ready to give, ready to overflow, grace upon grace for them. And that rock is there for you too. Baptized into Christ, you have the water from the rock flowing over you, flowing in you, flowing from you. Christ is your rock too. He is the solid foundation on which you build your house, on which you build your life. And so whatever you need, whenever you need it, he will give to you. He loves you. And so, dear saints, do not reject, as some of the Israelites did, this life-giving gift, this well of salvation. Even when you can rationalize and even when you can come up with something that you think is better than what God is giving you at the time. Or even when you're completely unsure about what you should do and when you should do it and what's going on. Run to Christ. Go to your rock. Lean on your rock. Stand on your rock. And let Christ be your rock, from which come the life-giving waters, the life-giving waters of baptism, the life-giving waters, the wells of salvation. And whatever you need, whenever you need it, 
he will provide for you grace alone. To him be all the honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Let us stand for the offertory together. Thank you.